From the campuses of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia, this is Religion for Life. I'm John Shuck, and I'm excited to have with me via Skype Carrie Newcomer, who is a singer, songwriter, and poet, and she has just uh, produced an album called A Permeable Life and a companion book of essays and poems called A Permeable Life, Poems and Essays. And she's uh, with me via Skype. Welcome, Carrie, to Religion for Life. Hi, John. Nice to be here. Hey, can you explain a little bit how this album came to be and, and what is uh, Takes a Community? The music industry has really changed over the last, particularly the last 10 years. And and all the old ways of, of how we used to do it, you know, really aren't working anymore. And so we're looking for new and creative ways. Artists are looking for new and creative ways to continue doing the music and the work that they love and that the listeners would like to continue to have out there in the world. So I think one of the most amazing things about this project is just the incredible outpouring of support and encouragement for this album. And and now, now that it's out, what I'm really loving is that uh, people are telling me and coming up to me after shows or writing me and saying, you know, I feel really connected to this album. I feel like... We really did do this together as a community, that art does not just have to be a spectator sport, that that I can be personally involved uh, in getting the art that I love out into the world. And, you know, that's been pretty amazing. And your album, of course, titled A Permeable Life, and, and that's the first poem uh, in your collection. Uh, could, could you read that poem? Sure, sure. A a permeable life. I want to leave enough room in my heart for the unexpected, for the mistake that becomes knowing, for knowing that becomes wonder, for wonder that makes everything porous, allowing in and out all available light. An impermeable life is full to the edges, but only to the edges. It is a limited thing, like the pause at the center of a breath, neither releasing or inviting, with no hollow spaces for longing or possibility. I would rather live unlocked and more often than not astonished, which is possible if I'm willing to surrender what I already think I know. So I will stay open and companionably friendly with all that presses out from the heart and comes in at a slant and shimmers just below the surface of things. Carrie Newcomer reading her poem, A Permeable Life. You know, that poem ends with the line, of course, just below the surface of things, and that is a line in your first song of the album, every little bit of it. Uh, <laughs> is, is that where the real is, uh, just below the surface of things? You know, um, every little bit of it, and, and a, a bit of this, this poem, you know, is, is, you know, really, I guess, focusing on the idea of, of attention and presence, that if I'm present, if I pay attention, that there's always something shimmering just below the surface of things, that, um, you know, that there is a spiritual context to the world. Um, And if I'm paying attention, I catch it. You know, I don't always catch it straight on. Often these sorts of things happen at a slant from the corner of your eye, but there it is, and there it is again. And there it is again, if I'm paying attention. There it is, 
Drink it up. <laughs> Drink up life uh, from all the different angles. Drink every little bit of it. You know, there are things, I, I, I think as a, as a songwriter, you know, there, as a writer, you know, there's themes that, that we revisit that, you know, we write about all mm-hmm. kinds of things. But, but there are themes that continue to fascinate and pull us back and ponder again and again those questions that you keep on asking. And I think on, on this particular album, you know, one is the idea of presence that, you know, we're not encouraged in our culture to reflect. We're, we're always encouraged to put one more ball in the air, to be, you know, two miles down the road or three miles behind us. But we're not really encouraged to be really present in our own lives, to show up for our own lives. We have to make that decision and decide to do it. Um, you know, and then there's, you know, this idea of, when we are present, you know, what do we see? What do we encounter? And, and, you know, that theme would probably be this idea of finding something extraordinary in an ordinary day, perhaps even sacred, in what is utterly daily and ordinary. And I write a lot about that idea. You know, when I do pull back all the layers of distraction in my life, what do I find? You know, I start to see miracles and I can't hardly help it. You know, so those are a couple of themes that kind of show up on this uh, album uh, that that I've, I've, you know, I've you know, explored before. Maybe something more particular to this, but this album is this, the idea of thresholds that, you know, as we as we go through life, you know, we will have moments of threshold, threshold moments where what's gone before has passed away. It's kind of done now. Um but what's new, the next thing has not quite arrived yet. And so you, know, you stand on this threshold and there's a certain amount of uh, trepidation and excitement. There's a clean edge of change there. You're not sure exactly what it's going to look like, but it is going to be different. Uh, how, how did you decide to become a uh, singer, songwriter, poet? Uh, was music a part of your life as a child? Yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't come from a musical family. Um, I actually grew up in this little factory town that where most of the band instruments were made in the country. I mean, yeah, it was like huh. Armstrong, Selmer, Kahn. I mean, all these, all those um, musical instrument factories, you know, happened in this little town. And because of that, the public schools had a fabulous music program. You know, they, they had great instruments and and a real... Uh, appreciation for the arts and for music in this little factory town, you know, and that's where I encountered music through the American public school system. So I'm a, I'm a huge supporter of the arts in the schools for all kinds of reasons, but that is where I first encountered it. Um, so I, I picked up a guitar when I was a teenager, learned my first three chords and started writing songs and I never really stopped. Now, one of the songs uh, on the album is, is The Work of Our Hands, and, and you write uh, one of the essays about your grandmother and canning. Was, was this song uh, possible also a, a memory of, of your grandmother? Yeah, well, there's, there's bits of that there. You know, the, the whole book, um, 
permeable life's poems and essays, the idea behind this book was, you know, if you if you had eleven different songwriters and you asked them their process, there'd probably be about fifteen different ways that they do it. Uh-huh. And yeah. And my but my particular process often starts with a poem or an essay or a short story. I'll do all this writing uh, and from those writings, the songs emerge. I might have to write the entire essay to get to the one line that starts the song. That's just my process. So a lot of the, the poems and essays in this book are related to songs, either on this album or previous albums. Um, but yeah, the work of our hands, you know, um, really, it, it, it came out of that essay, uh, but it also came out of an experience I had with my friend Marsha. She invited a bunch of women over to Cannes at her house uh, last August, and uh, it was amazing. You know, we set up these things in the backyard, and at the end of the day, there were there were twenty very sweaty women and about a million jars <laughs> of salsa, and uh, and I I was we were all dividing up the jars at the end of the day, and and nobody was talking about how they were going to keep these jars. Everyone was talking about who they would give their jars away to. You know, hmm. this one's going to you know, my sister, and this one's going to you know. It was. This really lovely moment when everyone was talking about who they would give away all these jars to. So uh, I was touched by it. I was touched by the the humbleness of it. You know, the, the things that we do for one another, simple things, daily things. You know, a jar of jelly can be um, love made visible. Really. Laid out on the counter, pulled up out of hot water The work of our hands so faithful and true I make something barely there Music is a little more than air So now every year I'll put by tomatoes and pears Boil the lids and wipe the lid With a callous fingertip And I swear by the winter ground We'll open one and pass the thing around Let the light catch the jar Amber gold as a falling star It's humble and physical It's only love made visible Hell now I understand It's just the work of our hands in reading your book of essays, you write about uh, your dog, uh, who you said was 539 in dog years. Is that the new math? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sophie, you know, she was uh, almost six. You know, she was 16 uh, when she passed away, but she was a golden retriever collie mix. So, yeah, that's, you know, essentially about a million years old. Um, very a sweet old dog. And yeah, she shows up on, in several of these uh, poems and essays. Yeah, there's uh, like uh, one of the, I think the uh, song "Abide" uh, of, of just simply the presence of, of an animal. There's a lot we can learn about life from our dogs, isn't there? There is, you know. And the the essay it's called Three Times, and it's you know something she taught me about patience and about you know really appreciating life as it, as it is. I mean, dogs. You know, they don't grieve what they don't have. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I used to run really fast, and now I, I, I run slower. And then a little later, it's like, but, 
but now, you know, I don't really run fast, but I, I walk and I walk down to the meadow and I sniff everything and I go down to the creek and I get my feet wet and, and now I'm walking slower and, you know, but it's still good and it's still an amazing thing. And she taught me so much about that, you know, being grateful for the day and the moment and, you know, to not be so concerned with what I don't have, but to embrace what I do have. Abide with me, where it's breathless and it's empty. Yes, abide with me, and we'll pass the evening gently. Stay awake with me, and we'll listen more intently to something wordless and remaining. Sure and ever changing in the quietness of now. If you are just joining us on Religion for Life, my guest is Carrie Newcomer, who's just come out with a new album called A Permeable Life and a companion book, uh, Permeable Life Poems and Essays. And uh, the song Room at the Table, I'm going to play when we have communion next at church. I, I, I was <laughs> I was just thinking of the communion table, but of course, uh, but it's also, of course, the, the supper table. Um, what was the inspiration for you for this song? I was actually listening to a podcast. Um I was listening to a podcast, um, and there was, uh, uh, the, the person being interviewed was very active in the civil rights movement of the 1960s, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the songs of that, of that movement, and, you know, and how powerful, we almost make jokes about it now, hey, hey it was a kumbaya moment, you know, but what this, uh, what the person was saying was that these songs are powerful, they you know, when we sing together, something happens, something changes. One of the few places we still sing together is in spiritual community. And we know that something happens when our voices uh, blend together in song, especially when you're saying something that's really important to you. And uh, it sustains and it holds you up and it inspires. And, you know, in this, in this podcast, he kind of challenged the young ones. He said, you know, we're always going to have We Shall Overcome. It's a great song, and it's going to continue, and we're going to keep on singing it because it's that kind of song. But we need the new ones. We need more um, you know, that, that are coming out of today and coming out of uh, the experience of today. And I almost took that as a little challenge, like, all right, you know, I, I, I think I need to write something that addresses particular issues of uh, of today, uh, with love and with hope and with courage, uh, and with fun, you know, that, uh, and that you can sing along with. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, there is a room at the table for everyone. Here and now we can be the beloved community. There is a room for everyone. There is room for us all. The love gift is too small. There is room at the 
Now, you have visited a, a number of places in 2009 and 2011, India, um, and the song Writing You a Letter, building little altars along the side of the road. Um, <laughs> what, what does that refer to? Well, it, there's, there's uh, a couple... Uh, uh, a couple levels that's working on, uh, you know, I do mm-hmm. travel a lot and I travel all over the country and all over the world. And, um, and I, I love, I love the way we're different. I mean, cultures are rich and different and different parts, even regions of our country are so different. There's no place like North Carolina and there's no place like Minnesota and there's no place just like, you know, Bloomington, Indiana, you know, or or Mumbai, India, or Nairobi, Kenya, you know, or, you know, all, I mean, all these different places. I love how we're different. Thank goodness we are not all exactly the same. Um, but I'm also really powerfully moved by the thread that pulls between us that there are things that we recognize as human beings. If you, if you sing a song about love or family or struggle, or grief, or hope, particularly about hope, it is immediately recognizable anywhere you go. And I'm not talking about Hallmark card hope, kind of candy-coated, wishful thinking kind of hope. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the kind of hope where you get up in the morning and you decide that you're going to try again to make the world, in your own small way, a little kinder place. And then the next morning you get up and you do it again. And the next morning you get up and you have been disappointed and you still, you do it again. That kind of hope, that's immediately recognizable anywhere you go. And, and you know, so in terms of, of going around to these different places in the country uh, and, and in the world, uh, I, I've loved that thread. And, th- and there's also like this spiritual thread, this spiritual thread um, that kind of goes beyond dogma. Um, that that meets that meets at the our shared value system, uh, the most deeply held, beautiful values. I I was I was in the Middle East this past summer, a very conflicted area of the world, and I was speaking with a, a eighty year old uh, Quaker woman who said, you know, if you start talking dogma, you get stuck immediately, immediately. Mm-hmm. If you start talking particulars of dogma, but if you talk about the most deeply held and beautiful aspects and of, of, of our, our, our tradition, the values of our tradition that are most deep and beautiful, and take action there. You have some place to go. You have some, some place, you have a conversation that has started that's based on what's most beautiful, you know? And, you know, I, I, that really took me, and I really love how she described that. And that's, you know, in terms of writing you a letter, that idea of building altars along the road, you know, creating these little, you know, I, I love, I love when I'm hiking or when I'm, I'm, I'm traveling and you see those little cairns by the side of the road that someone has taken the time to, to stack some stones to tell you, you know what, you're on the right path and someone has gone here before you, you know, and the idea of everywhere I go, that it's not just it's not just a tour you know that i'm building these little altars everywhere i go uh and and sometimes i'm following the ones that other people have laid out for me um there's something really lovely about that um that connection 
I'm a stranger here, I'm only passing through, but every place I go leaves its own tattoo. That's how it is, laying stone on stone, building little altars by the side of the road. You know, um, and as another one of your songs, your song uh, "Visitation," uh, made me think of a story I never really liked in Sunday school. Um, it was—I I thought it was terribly unfair that Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt for looking back. You know, as bad an experience might be, at least, you know, it was still home for wanting to remember. And, and of course, you use that, um, I'm a pillar of salt uh, in, your, in, 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 your, in that song. Do you, do you find memories and dreams are, are like visitations? Yeah. And, you know, again, that came, it started with a poem. But this, this idea that, that memories, that our experiences stay with us. And, and, and memory doesn't happen in a logical, linear fashion. If you, if you think about it as you go through your day, the things you remember, they don't happen in a logical, linear fashion. Then this happened, then this happened. No, mm-hmm. they kind of wash over us like waves. Something will, will spark a memory, which will lead to another one. You know, the, the, the image you're talking about, I've always thought the same thing. There, there, there are a lot of things, um, biblically, that I've, you know, I muse around with (laughs) in my Mm -hmm. my songwriting. You know, there are people who write uh, spiritually that stay within the lines. You know, there's like, there's a particular kinds of spiritual music that, you know, you get eight crayons and, you know, that's all you get. Theologically, you (laughs) Uh get eight crayons. And there's some really beautiful music that's been written and created with the eight crayons. But I'm kind of a 48 crayon kind of gal. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, I end up playing with these ideas that, you know, it's so human to want to look back in compassion, you know, in love, in loss and longing. You know, maybe the salt was not a punishment. Maybe it's just the salt of her tears, Mm. you know? Mm. You know, if we're talking metaphorically and not literally, maybe it's just the salt of tears. It's hard letting go. More than I thought And if the truth be told I'm a pillar of salt I'm a pillar of salt For every time that it took Another fleeting glance Another long last look How can the mind transcend? How can the heart describe? We light a candle every day I ask the question even When the why seems hollow And breathe the silence in that usually I just wanted to say how much I did personally appreciate an empty chair. We had a loss, my son, actually, a couple of years ago, and and the lyrics are just so real. about, you know, people say time will heal, but I have my doubts. You know, it just it was really, it, it really touched me. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Well, well thank you. I, that was a hard song for me. So I, I appreciate that. It sounded like it came out of grief for you, too. Well, it's it just, um, you know, the context of that song actually was, I, um, I went, I was doing a, a conference in Oklahoma City, right uh, on, on the 19th anniversary of the bombing there. Mm. 
and it was right after Sandy Hook happened. Oh, and, wow. And so I'm just kind of reeling a little bit in terms of uh, violence and loss. Right. And in terms of violence in our culture and... Um, and the presenters of the of the conference took me to this beautiful park that they've created. It was a way of the community healing, and it's like it's something you you will never truly heal, but you do learn how to walk with them. And part of that process for them was to create this beautiful park and some uh, create uh, artistic works within that park. And one was um, an artist had created a series of empty chairs. And that that light up at night from the inside, and some of them are small because there were a lot of children. Uh, so I just didn't know what to do with that with that experience. I didn't know what to do with that experience. So I ended up writing this song. Um, you know, what is it to lose someone you love? And you know, what 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 has it been like for me personally to lose? someone I love, um, particularly to violence of some kind or another. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, 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 to kind of, I guess, to frame it in a human, in a human context, not in a political context or ideolo- ideological context, but from a human context of loss and grief. I don't like people staring at me like I'm a roadside wreck I don't want to have to explain to the ones who rub him neck I don't like that the mail with his name is still delivered here I don't like where he used to be, is now an empty chair 13th uh, century mystic uh, Meister Eckhart said that if the only prayer we ever offer was thank you, that would be enough. And, and I thought of that quote when I heard your song, uh, Thank You, Good Night. Uh, how, how central is gratitude for you and your spirituality? Oh, it's, it's, it's very, very central. And thank you. I love that uh, Meister Eckhart quote. I really love that quote. And um, this, uh, the, that particular song came about uh, a friend of mine told me about a spiritual practice she does. She said every night before she goes to sleep, she says three things out loud that she's grateful for. Just three things out loud. And it's a simple practice, but it's so powerful. I started doing it. And to say out loud, uh, and sometimes it would be big things, and sometimes it would be small things. And, but, to, but to end my day with gratitude, always with gratitude, um, you know, it, it changes something. I find I sleep better at night. Uh, and the song kind of came out of that. It became a poem called, um, actually in the book called Three Gratitudes. And then, and then it became the song. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you and good night. My guest has been Carrie Newcomer, uh, who's just produced a new album called A Permeable Life and a companion book, uh, Permeable Life, Poems and Essays, and you can find more information at uh, carrynewcomer.com. Carrie, thank you so much for this work and, and for spending time with me today on Religion for Life. Thank you so much. It's been great being on the program. You ask great questions, my friend.
You've been listening to Religion for Life. My name is John Shuck, minister at First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Our website is fpcelizabethton.org. More information about Religion for Life, including links to podcasts, can be found at religionforlife.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, hear us on iTunes. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS-FM in Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM in River, Virginia. Be well. This place was once an ocean, a shallow sea We are the 